are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Mariners, your home for daily Seattle Mariners news and analysis. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. We greatly appreciate the support. Of course, we are free and available on all platforms, so be sure to tell your friends, family, all those you know out there who are Mariners fans to come check us out if they haven't already. And today is Monday, November 22nd, 2021. I am your host, Titan Gonzalez, joined as always by my co-host, Colby Patnode. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners, you can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, it's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. Be sure to also check out our Patreon, where we talk about the Mariners even more, and also get into some non-baseball talk twice a week. New episode dropping for our Tier 2s and 3s later today. Visit patreon.com forward slash controlled zone for more information on that. If you're interested, on today's episode of Locked On Mariners, it's our weekly mailbag, because... Jerry DePoto still hasn't done anything. So we're staying in rotation here. You sent us your Mariners questions via Twitter and email, and we're going to answer them on today's show. So if you like what you hear, give the show a follow, uh, follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this. We greatly appreciate it. We're going to start with a question that we got via email last week from Travis Hillary, who asked, uh, thinking about the Mariners' interest in signing Seiya Suzuki reminded me that Seattle has had at least one Japanese-born player on their roster every year going back 20-plus years. With Yusei Kikuchi now gone, how much do you believe this affects the Mariners' aggressiveness in acquiring Suzuki or another Japanese-born player? Thanks for the show. I always look forward to it. Good stuff. Thank you for the question, Travis. So, Colby, what do you think about Travis's question? There's no impact. Um in terms of like is Seattle desperate to have a Japanese born player on their roster? No, no, they're not. Um, and when, when you consider it, the players that they had, I mean, you're looking at Ichiro and then Iwakuma. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, of course, uh, Yusei Kikuchi, I, I believe Muenora Kawasaki, uh, was in there as well. Um, mm-hmm. no, they, they don't, they're not out to try and make sure that they have to keep that streak alive. Um, yeah, does losing Kikuchi hurt in their pursuit of Suzuki? I don't think it does. Um, I don't know for sure, but the fact that Seattle has had, you know, a Japanese player and they've done a pretty good job of, you know, acclimating them to major league baseball for the past two decades certainly helps Seattle. Um, does the fact that they, that Kikuchi walked away hurt them? No, I don't think it does. And I, I don't think, you know, ownership is, is, desperate to have a Japanese born player on their roster. So I, I don't think it, uh, it makes all that big of a difference. Well, Nintendo of America only makes up 10% of the ownership. Now there isn't going to be an overwhelming amount of pressure to sign any Japanese born player. Really? Uh, at least there shouldn't be. Um, it, it really ultimately comes down to the fit and say Suzuki does fit what they need. And I, I think they're going to be pretty aggressive in his in his market. I don't think it's just because of um, or it's because of him being born in Japan. It's it's about the upside, really. Mm-hmm. It, it's about the upside of the player. It's about uh, potentially buying low on a young, uh, really talented player that's coming from overseas. One of the few um, that that is coming over 
And so, uh, yeah, I think that's really all that it comes down to. Um, I don't think there's any other external factors playing into the into their interest in uh, Seiya Suzuki this year. So thank you again for the question, Travis. Appreciate it. But yeah, uh, I, I think really the the only thing driving that interest from the Mariners is the the upside of the player. So we're going to uh, move over to Twitter here. And remember, you can send us questions via email at LockedOnMariners at gmail.com. Uh, but you can also send us questions, of course, at LO underscore Mariners on Twitter. And this one comes from at Murmurs or Murners, <laughs> she addled Murners on Twitter, who asks, uh, are there incentives for free agents themselves to sign before the CBA expires? It seems like the incentives to sign before December 1st would be favoring the general managers. Waiting until there's a new agreement would put pressure on the team's side, which would favor free agents. Am I off? based on this Colby it kind of depends on how well you think the players are going to do in the next round of negotiations um is there a benefit to signing before yeah there is for some free agents um for example some want to know where they're going so that they can find housing they can set their kids up at the right school they can you know learn the area so uh, there is going to be a benefit to signing early there. Uh, there's a chance if you don't sign by December 1st that you're not going to sign or even be able to sign until late January or February, a couple of weeks before mm-hmm. pre, uh, spring training is supposed to start. That comes with issues. So there are there are some real-world benefits to signing early and getting to where you're going to be uh, mm-hmm. as early as possible. So uh, if the players think yeah. they can do significantly better, in this round of uh, CBA negotiations, like there's going to be a salary floor and no drop in the, in the payroll tax, which is not a guarantee, uh, then maybe you can wait. But I think right now it's, it's kind of a disadvantage to both the players and, uh, and the GMs because uh, the GMs don't want to feel like they're being pushed into doing something. They're not quite sure they want to do just because of this, this deadline uh, and the players, oh. again, do they really want to sit around and just wait, and to see where they're going to spend next year, a vast majority of next year, or do they want to get you know into the city and, and find housing? And, and again, it, not that it's super hard right. for them to do so, but you know you, you do want to get your family set up. Yeah, and also weeks. you don't want to get lost in the crowd exactly. of a rapid free agency market, um, which is bound to happen. That's going to be the nature of that market when it comes to February and March and whenever it gets started. Um, so you don't want to lose out on, on, on value, on potential uh, dollars um, by being one of 100, you know, yes. one of 150 guys that are, that are going to sign. You know, you will get lost in that crowd, especially if you're on the back end of that market, if you're not one of the top guys like a Marcus Simeon or whatever. And, um, you know, and also if you are someone like Simeon, the argument for them signing beforehand as well is pretty much what you said, Colby to kind of understand the the fit to understand where you're going to be to prepare with that uh with that mindset and um yeah i think that's going to be a, you know having that security is going to be a huge thing for for maybe a couple of the bigger names that we see sign in the next 10 days or so um yeah. but uh but yeah overall i i i i think for for free agents especially the middle tier just mm-hmm. you don't want to get lost in that crowd so if you make it past december 1st unsigned and the lockout hop lockout happens there's got to be at least a little bit of anxiety about how much value you potentially lost 
yeah, I mean, you don't want to be a bargain. And after the lockout ends, there are going to be quite a few bargains to be had. Because uh, like his free agency is going to happen in a hurry. And and the guys mm-hmm. like Andrew McCutcheons and Jonathan VRs and, and Tommy Fams, these, you know, mid-tierish free agents, back end of the mid-tier free agents, they're going to have to take one year, $3 million deals. There are going to be deals like that made uh, after the lockout ends. So the incentive mm-hmm. is to not become a bargain. Um, mm-hmm. Like And like you said, if you're Simeon, you're fine either way. But if you're one of those mid-tier guys, you're, you're running the risk that you're going to lose money by not taking the deal now. All right. One last question here from Aiden at SFNE58 on Twitter uh, here before we, uh, we hop over to our next segment. Uh, should we see the Angels as a threat next year since they signed Noah Syndergaard and the team would be mostly healthy? I think really the thing with the Angels uh, is that, I mean, you got to always be wary of them because there is such an immense amount of talent on that roster with, with Trout and Rendon and, and, and Otani, et cetera. Um, but for me, it's just, you know, I'll believe it when I see it with the Angels. The Angels, despite having all that talent, have yet to finish above 500 since Jerry DePoto left six years ago. So I, I, again, I, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it in terms of them being successful. Uh, but you always, you know, you, you do have to be wary of them um, because of the talent that they have. Ultimately though, I, I don't think Syndergaard moves the needle really for them. Uh, I'm concerned about that signing as we've talked about on previous shows. Yeah, you know, part of the reason why they're they have so many injuries is well, a for the pitching side of things, it's just kind of what they do. They're kind of notorious for you know having a lot of pitching injuries, um, and b they're older. They're an older club. You know, they're not super old, but Trout's mm-hmm. played a lot of baseball. Rendon's played a lot of baseball. Upton's played a lot of baseball. These guys are going to wear down. It, it, it's we've already seen it. So yeah, I'm not super worried about the Angels yet. Um, talented, yes, and you never know. They might it might all click for them one year, and if it does, then they'll mm-hmm. be dangerous. But I'll believe that when when it actually happens, because right now I have zero zero confidence that the Angels are competent enough to make their talent match their record. All right, more questions on the way in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder: this episode of Lockdown Mariners is brought to you by Direct TV. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. You're listening to Locked On Mariners. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do every day. We greatly appreciate the support once again. Let's get on to more questions here, starting with Jordan Levitt at Mormon Pizza Man, who's got a fun one here. Compare current Mariner players to nostalgic cartoon characters. Obviously, don't want to spend too much time on this, but let's have some fun here, Colby. Any 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 uh, comparisons that come to mind? <laughs> Not really. 
Um, it's kind of a question that's way out of left field and we would typically tackle on our uh, CTZ show. Um, <laughs> typically on days like today when we were bored and the Seahawks gave us nothing and the Mariners have given us nothing so far. Um, no, you know, it's it's I, I don't really see any uh, any obvious comparisons. Maybe I'm missing something, but I mean, I don't know. Did you did you find any? Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I tried to think about this one last night a little bit when it came in. And uh, I don't know. This is a lot harder to do than the uh, the Avengers one that we did. <laughs> Feels yeah. a lot easier to do the Avengers. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah, oh. I just... Scott Service is the grandpa from uh, Hey Arnold. Uh, grandpa <laughs> Phil. So. Okay. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's... Uh, Tom Murphy is Helga from Hey Arnold. Uh, <laughs> Why? Why? Just, just mean and crazy at the same time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got, I got nothing. So this is a, a difficult question, Jordan, that you need to give us more than, you know, six hours notice on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, well, and to be fair. I completely forgot about this question in, until we uh, we hit record today. Well, so I didn't even think about this at all this morning. There's <laughs> so many sure. different characters in those shows, you know. Like, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe come back on Friday. Or <laughs> jo- Jordan, subscribe to the Control the Zone podcast on Patreon. Maybe we could flush it out a little bit more there. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll try to come up with a better answer on CTC. How about that? <laughs> um so <laughs> sorry about that jordan uh let's uh let's move on here to uh at seattle sog uh over under two and a half signings on november 30th so on november 30th under. i'm gonna go under <laughs> specifically on the 30th under wait yeah. i mean i'm yeah. assuming you mean mariner signings uh yeah since we well, are a mariner maybe, show mm, Mm, maybe not i don't know are you talking major league baseball i'll say over if you're talking the mariners i'll take the under if you meant i'm still gonna say under if you meant two and a half signings by november 30th i'll still take the under but Mm. um on november 30th i'm I'm definitely taking the under and feeling pretty good about it i i don't think there's going to be this massive whirlwind of of moves like everyone thinks there there will be i think it's going to be more streamlined over the course of the next eight days um yeah i don't i don't i don't think there's just going to be this like huge you know just slew of moves in the in the final hours leading up to the uh to the lockout so uh thank you for the question at seattle sog appreciate it let's go to a couple questions here from cammy boy at cammy boy underscore um who has a who has a couple questions about marcus simeon the first being if simeon is not the guy at second base and he gets signed by another squad who are we looking at for who are we looking at next for second base? Um, so there's some interesting options here. Chris Taylor, former Mariner, of course, is, is one that probably jumps out to a lot of people. Uh, Josh Harrison, solid second baseman as well. There's obviously the option of just keeping Abraham Toro there and signing a third baseman or trading for a third baseman. There's also the idea that we had in our offseason plan, which was trading for Jeff McNeil of the Mets. Um there's there's quite a few uh, different ways you can go about it. Eduardo Escobar is another guy. Um, so there's certainly options. The Mariners are not necessarily screwed 
if they lose out on Simeon, they're just they're definitely not going to be able to get a player that's close to the level that Simeon is, of course, at second base. Um couple, you know, if you're looking for a trade route, uh Brandon Lau is is an interesting guy. Um also Joey Wendell, his teammate from Tampa, uh makes a lot of sense. Um so yeah, they 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 have options. Um ultimately it's probably not somebody we're even thinking of. It's gonna be somebody like Kevin Newman or somebody like that. Uh but uh <laughs> maybe Adam Frazier, uh depending on what the what else the Padres do. Uh, but yeah, there's going to be options out there and, and don't think that, you know, the Mariners aren't don't have a plan B, C, D, but it definitely does feel like Simeon is plan A. Uh, the uh, second question from Cami Boy asks, uh, how do you feel about the Simeon and uh, Rangers news? So the, the news saying that the Rangers are interested in Marcus Simeon. Uh, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't buy it either. <laughs> well, I don't buy it. I should say, I um, think the Rangers are probably interested in Simeon. I don't think Simeon would have any interest in them. Uh, yeah. Unless, unless uh, they the only interest he's going to show on them is if they severely overpay for him, for his, right. uh, for his services there. Uh, and that would have to be on a level that's pretty similar to what the Mariners gave Robinson can know, honestly, to convince him to forego playing for a winning team to go play for the Rangers who were one of the worst teams in baseball this past right. year. And I mean, I, like the only thing they can do is they can overpay him and they can let him play shortstop. But assuming they're not willing to like blow him out of the water in terms of salary, what everybody else is, why would he pick the yeah. Rangers over Seattle, over Toronto, over San Francisco, over the Dodgers, over the Padres, over, you know, Boston? Like, why would he pick the Rangers over Houston even? Like, why would he pick yeah. the Rangers over those teams? Yeah. There's only one reason. And that is if they give him like, seven years and 230 million dollars i just i I doubt that that's what they're going to do so i don't really buy it and if they do do that by the way go ahead and laugh at their face because that's going to be a lot of wasted money because they're not going to be good for a while yeah i mean like at that point it's just like okay and fine whatever (laughs) you know only so much that that yeah only so much that uh jerry depoto and, and any other team that was interested in him could uh could do so yeah. um yeah you just kind of wash your hands of that and move on and uh like we said there are definitely other options um and you can uh you know get someone who's closer to simeon's value at third base right or maybe you go after trevor's story to play second base or, or whatever you there's tons of options so uh no need to worry about that so uh, let's uh, let's answer one more question here before we hop on to our next segment uh, from at Dirty Durham. And this one is going to be uh, pretty quick to answer here. Uh, they uh, they say, uh, I, I know I'm buying in way too much into Shohei Otani's I want to win comments last season. But if we need bats and pitching, is there any scenario where the Mariners could trade for Otani trade simulators? our favorite baseballtradevalues.com of course and we got a we got a screenshot here from baseballtradevalues.com included in this tweet uh trade simulators and reality don't always align so i acknowledge my example may be flawed haha <laughs> i realize that we would have to pry otani from the angels but he seems to address two needs with one player and just haven't heard anyone enter- entertain this idea perhaps because it's absolutely nuts you wouldn't be wrong <laughs> also worth noting I uh, I simply tried to match value to get the trade to work. 
And the trade is the his trade proposal or their trade proposal rather is uh, Logan Gilbert and Jerry Kelnick to the Angels for Shohei Otani. Uh, trade simulator's wrong as it usually is. Um, yep. The Angels aren't going to trade Otani. Not this winter. No way. Um, they just poured twenty one million dollars into Noah Syndergaard. They're not trading him. So yep. it's not even really worth the discussion. Um, yeah, they're, want, they're they're also they're also never just they're never going to trade Otani. <laughs> no, if you they're, want Otani, if you want Otani, you got to wait two years until he's a free agent, and then back up yep. the brink struck. Um, yep. We're legit. Otani probably assuming that he's like even eighty percent of what he was this year for the next two years. He's probably getting five hundred million dollars. So yeah, yeah. He's, well, I mean, depending uh, on how the CBA goes, but yeah, no. Yeah. And honestly, if you're Seattle, I don't, I don't like, I don't even know if it makes sense to trade Gilbert and Kelnick for Otani. Um, not that obviously that's not a you know, that's an underpay. I'm not saying it's not, uh, but it's just two more spots you got to go fill, and Otani doesn't fill both of those spots. And those are two spots that are being filled right now by a guy who's making nothing, two guys who are making nothing, and you have them for another six years. Mm-hmm. Just, just no, all the way around, no. <laughs> but credit for the uh, for the unique idea. Uh, there seems to be a lot of those running around on Twitter the last few days. Yes. But uh, like I said, always give credit for the unique idea. But on uh, yep. if this was Fan Fiction Friday, yeah. I'd probably give that like a twenty-five. <laughs> yeah um sorry dirty durham but unfortunately your your dream will not be a reality i uh I, talk to us to again say. in 2024 things can change <laughs> or 2023 so uh we got more questions coming up in just a moment but real quick want to remind you this episode of locked on mariners is also brought to you by built bar I love Thanksgiving, all of the good food and treats, and plenty of them to go around. But maybe you want a yummy dessert, one that isn't so full of calories and sugar. Well, it's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it for once. One slice of pie has an upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end if you're lucky. Meanwhile, most Built Bars are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with coconut Built Bar. Or go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. There are lots of good flavors to replace any pie or any other unhealthy fattening dessert. Low calories, low carbs, low fat, high protein covered in 100% real chocolate. Built is a great option for when you're hungry. And if Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two. Share some at your family gatherings. It will make things less awkward, I promise you. And maybe Aunt Betty hasn't even tried a Built Bar yet. New surprises all month, limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly, so check the site often. And of course, there's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday, so mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order at Built.com. All right, time for some more questions here. We're not going to be able to get to every single one of them on today's show. You, you, you've sent a lot of them <laughs> this, this week, especially Daisy Dingo, who sent like six. We're going to try to get to at least like two of those. We'll see. We'll see how much, how well we do for time. Let's start with Keith's tease, however, at Keith's tease. Keith asks, uh, for, for Seiya Suzuki, is the biggest hurdle to landing him the, this concocted narrative of an outfield logjam? Outside of playing time, any guesses on what might be 
these selling points to him. Well, the first of which being there isn't an outfield log jam. He would have a very good opportunity to play 120, 130, maybe even more games in Seattle this year, depending on how he plays. Um, yeah, there, there's, there's no issue with that. So, I mean, I, I don't think the, I mean, maybe the, the, his camp has some concerns over that, but the Mariners are going to quickly tell him that that's not the case. So I think at that point that all gets eliminated, right? Coley. Yeah, there is no outfield log jam. Um, and Suzuki's not, not dumb. He's not going to think there is one. So, uh, yeah, it's, if say Suzuki demands 500 plate appearances with his performance, then he's going to get 500. Uh, there's just mm-hmm. really no doubt about that. So, nope, not an issue. Yep. All right. Uh, thanks for the question, Keith. Moving on to Cody Anderson here at Code Al 12. How high is Julio Rodriguez's ceiling to you? Dare I ask, might he be the Mariners' next Griffey? Well, the Mariners' organization certainly thinks so. I think that's pretty clear. I mean, now, will he actually be that? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I don't I don't think anyone should say that definitively, <laughs> but uh, I, I think Julio's ceiling is, is very high. We were asked what last mailbag Monday where we see him in five years. I legitimately think he could be a perennial MVP candidate. I think yeah. that's the type of player that we're talking about. I don't know if he's actually going to get the there. Ceiling. Um, yeah. Griffey's probably a bit too much to ask of anybody. Not that not that you are asking, but. Uh, if he's mm. going to be Griffey, but uh, why can't he just have the same impact that like Nelson Cruz had only be good in the outfield? Like, wouldn't that be plenty good enough? So I continue to, I continue to compare uh, Julio to Nelson Cruz. That's a comp I really like, um, but with more, especially defense. from that, remember that swing that he had? Yep. Remember that swing that he had? Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, you know, you know exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, like I think it was back in May or something. Mm. It looked exactly like Nelson Cruz. Yeah, I, <laughs> but, uh, I, I really he hit it. He hit the ball to like deep center. It was one of those, you know, just line drive missiles mm. that, that Nelson Cruz became uh, became plenty famous for. I think I think Julio's ceiling is Nelson Cruz at his prime, which is what forty home runs, two eighty, three eighty on base. Mm-hmm. 600 slugging but, but, with but good with, defense on top of it with at least average right field defense yeah yeah i think that's probably what it is to be honest and that is ooh, that's fantastic that's, that's a, a very good player <laughs> all right uh moving on to uh harry depoto and uh thanks again for the uh the question cody uh harry depoto at h depoto asks uh well, they, they actually asked this question uh, during my AMA yesterday, but I wasn't able to really answer it within the you know 280 characters. So we're going to answer it on here. What's just, uh, what statistically are the parameters that makes a starting pitcher a one, two, three, four, or five, which you guys often refer to when talking about starting pitchers? Uh, are there some examples for numbers? So, you know, yesterday... I use the example of like, you know, for a number three, a number three to me is like a 20 is like 2021 Luis Castillo, Jose Barrios. Like, and and we're always using these numbers when we're saying like, this guy's a number two, this is a number three. That's what they would be in a good rotation, right? Like that's what their true form is in a good rotation. This guy's like a number three. That's what his ceiling is. Um, So for, for, for me, that's a, that's a guy that has a, um, a FIP with between 3.5 and four and like, and averages a little over a K per nine or, or nine Ks per nine. 
Is that about the same for you, Colby? Yeah. Um, I don't know. For me, it's it's more about, you know, I, I don't have like statistical like checkpoints that you have to hit. Um, that's generally a pretty good place. Like I said, Barrios and Castillo, I think, are, are really good number threes. And, and mm. you know, probably they, they can look like number twos for extended stretches. And every once in a while, they are they are dominant like a number one. Um, mm. but for the most part, they're just good every time out. Um, yeah, it, it's, you know, ace, I, I differentiate between aces and number ones, like Scherzer is an ace. Yep. Um, but DeGrom, yeah, yeah, DeGrom's an ace. Scherzer is an ace. Uh, Verlander in his prime was an ace. Um, mm. whereas guys like David Price in his prime were probably just ones. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's all kind of just you know make up your own identifiers, but um, and and they all have qualifiers. Like you could be a light three, or you could be a strong three. Um, right. But yeah, it's it's typically like I always use the I always use the term like high end three, low end two. Right. Like when yeah. when referencing. Um, a certain pitcher, you know, uh, this guy could be, you know, he could, which means like he'll flash number two stuff and maybe even some number one stuff at times, but he's typically a really good number three. Um, yeah, and that kind of goes back to the Luis Castillo thing. And, and, and really why I, I talk about the number three stuff is because that's the middle ground here. So think about anyone who you would consider to be in that, uh, that higher tier than that pitcher, you know? So let's say you think Lucas Giolito and, Sandy Alcantara and those guys are above Luis Castillo, but they're not exactly, you know, Max Scherzer, right? So those guys, those guys would be, you know, high end twos to number ones. Robbie Ray is another example, potentially, right? You know, Frankie Montes, those guys. Yeah. I just, you know, like James Paxson in his prime was a strong three. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's just more about feel and, and understanding and, and just, you know, to me, a number three is an above average major league pitcher, uh, major league starter. Mm-hmm. So uh, number yep. four is about average and number five is fringe average. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. All right. So let's, uh, and, and thank you by the way, for the question, Harry DePoto, let's, uh, let's answer a couple of Daisy Dingo's questions here before we hop off. Like I said, we're not going to be able to get all to all of these just a lot, <laughs> but uh, we're going to get to a couple of these max contract that you two would be comfortable giving to Chris Bryant. Uh, t- five, one twenty. Yeah. 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 That'd be 24 AV mm, to Chris Bryant. Um, yeah. Probably that's about right. Um, the max I'd be willing yeah. to do, probably something like six and and one thirty at the max, and that's like, please don't mm. do that. <laughs> but if they did, I'd be like, yeah. okay, I guess I kind of get it. All right, let's answer one more here. Uh, name one to two big leaguers and three to four prospects in the Mariner system that you think the A's would have the most interest in, and why? Abraham Toro, Kyle Lewis, um. Probably also Luis Torrens be thrown in there for the big leaguers. Um, 
but I think it's, it's pretty obvious why Toro with his versatility and obviously the, the data guys love him. Um, and, uh, you know, Lewis, of course, you know, the upside of that. Um, and uh, as for prospects, I don't know, probably all of them, right? Like, um, yeah. you know, to a certain degree, Emerson Hancock, Brandon Williamson, probably a lot of the pitchers. Uh, that's probably going to be number one, but I could see them being into, you know, guys like Jonathan Classe, Victor Labrada. Really, no one's off the uh, off the table with the A's, I think. I think they would like a lot of the guys that are in the Mariners system. I would agree. I think those are probably the guys. Um, yeah, obviously anybody in the farm system. And then, yeah, Lewis. I could see them if they traded... If they traded Matt Olson, I could see them liking Evan White. I just don't think there would be a lot of value mm-hmm. there. So I'd throw him on there, but I just right. I, I don't think there's going to be much. Uh, I think they'd be interested. I just don't think it would they would make a deal that would make sense for the Mariners to give up on Evan White already. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our show. Want to thank you again for sending all of your questions. We really appreciate it. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed listening to today's show. Thank you for joining us here on Locked On Mariners. For Colby Patnode, I'm Titan Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. That's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. And Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen of the day. Every day, we'll be back tomorrow and hopefully jerry depoto has done something but i'm not holding my breath anymore we'll we'll just see when it happens if it happens starting to run out of time though jerry bear let's get it going here now make your second listen of the day locked on bets your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs locked on bets hosted by your boy q with expert analysis and insight from lee sterling and just like us their show is free and available wherever you get your podcasts have yourself a beautiful baseball day and we'll see you tomorrow